on today's episode of the Real Foodology podcast. Medicine works slowly and it takes a, science takes a long time, which is why I've said the whole time, I've said the logic is fast, science is slow. Science takes a long time to know what these long-term effects are. And since they actually stopped the trial at six months, they unblinded the trial and gave all the placebo group the vaccine, means that we don't really have any long-term control group to say what's happening with these vaccines. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Swan. This is part two of my two-part series that I have with Dr. Bradley Campbell. So if you are listening and you have not listened to part one yet, go back and listen to part one and then come back and listen to this one. I hope you enjoy. I'm coming on here again to talk to you about immunity and what I do to take care of my immune system. I take a lot of different stuff, but mainly I try to focus on adaptogens and whole real foods that take care of my immune system. A few things that are known to be really good for our immune system are mushrooms, and they happen to be in this Organifi Gold that I love. Hopefully you've heard me talk about it before. It is a drink powder that I either drink on its own, it, tastes, it has like a very delicious, yummy vanilla flavor, or I like to throw it in my coffee sometimes. It has a lot of relaxation properties in it, so you can drink it before bed, actually. Or if you want to kind of just mitigate the stress of coffee, you can put it in your coffee. It has a great vanilla flavor, like I said, and it has turkey tail mushroom and reishi mushroom, which are both really good for our immune systems. And Organifi actually has a limited edition gold pumpkin spice flavor that's coming out just in time for fall. And if you're listening right now, it means that you get first access to purchase gold pumpkin spice before the public does. But it's really important. You have to use my link. It's Organifi.com slash Real Foodology. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash R-E-A-L-F-O-O-D-O-L-O-G-Y. Also, while you're on their site, I would highly recommend getting their green juice. This is another great way to keep your immune system in tip-top shape. It's organic. It's glyphosate residue free, and it's my favorite. I try to get a green juice in every single day because it's really good for our body. It just floods our bodies with nutrients. So I drink Organifi because I don't want to mess with the juicer, and it tastes really good, and I love that it's organic and glyphosate free. So when you're on their website, make sure also that you use code REALFOODOLOGY and you're going to save 20%. Also, write me on Instagram and let me know how you're enjoying Organifi. So we, we mentioned a little bit about uh, some people getting injured from the vaccines. And I want to talk about this because uh, this is not being talked about a lot in mainstream media. I personally have three stories of people that I know that have been injured um, I have a girlfriend who is 30 years old, and she also gave me the permission to tell her story, but she's 30 years old, very healthy, um, had already gotten COVID, and she felt very pressured into getting the vaccine, even though it was against her best judgment. Like, she she told me through and through, she was like, it was against everything I believed in. I really didn't want to do it. Um, her grandfather is in hospice right now, and he basically raised her. Uh, and she was like, I'm, you know, I would be kicking myself if I couldn't say goodbye to him because he's on his last leg and they were not going to allow her in unless if she was vaccinated. She got her first dose and she got pericarditis, which is inflammation of the sac around the heart. And this is not an isolated case. This is not like a, oh, it's like, you know, this only happened to her. We're seeing tons of cases of pericarditis, myocarditis. Her cardiologist literally told her, you cannot get that second dose because you may not survive it. 
and she was in and out of the ER for a month. She's still dealing with the side effects of it now. Thank God she's okay. But she could be dealing with the side effects from that for the rest of her life. And this is someone that would not have otherwise gotten vaccinated, really didn't want to do it, but felt super pressured. And this story is not isolated. I mean, I have another girlfriend whose mom um, had to have major heart surgery from her, her second dose and almost died. Thank God she survived. She survived the surgery. But this is, these are not isolated events. These are happening a lot. And I don't say this to scare people, but I say this because we can't just treat these vaccines like they are one size fits all. Like everyone is so complex and we're so bio-individual that um, we can't ignore the fact that some people could be severely injured by the vaccine. Right. Yeah, we've lost informed consent when we lost liability for the vaccines. So March 2020, Congress passed a amendment that basically allowed for all liability to be removed from the vaccine companies and from doctors and people who were giving the vaccines, which then means they no longer need to give informed consent, which means you don't need to be told the risks and benefits of a vaccine. And the in order to truly have informed consent, which means you have body autonomy, like my body, my choice, means that you need to know what the choice is and what the risks and benefit of those choices are. And never do people get the ingredient list, never they explain what polyethylene glycol, ethylene oxide, polysorbate 80, hydroxyethylmercaptoric acid is. They don't know what those words are. Probably 0.1% of our listeners know what those words are. But they're extremely important to Google to look up, to look up, are they carcinogenic? Are they reproductive fetal toxins? All those things are very important. Um, we, the first reason I got censored in February or March was because we had a patient who came in with normal blood labs that they, we run every year on most of our patients. And we do really extensive plaque risk markers and inflammatory markers. And they had a similar type of thing happening. It was one of the 16% of women that have the lymphadenopathy, basically lymph swelling in their breast tissue or in their mm. axillary, their armpit after the vaccine. So 16% of women have that happen. She was one of those. She had a pretty severe reaction to her first dose for about two days, two and a half days. But she came in a week after her first vaccine dose. And her blood work was so abnormal that the lab called us and said, like, I think this person needs to be either hospitalized or, like, you need to call them right away. We're like, oh, what God. the heck is going on? Because we didn't actually even know. It was just drawing her blood early in the morning. We didn't know that she had had this vaccine. We thought maybe she was really sick or had a viral or a bacterial infection because her plaque risk markers were through the roof. Her heart pumping stress was high. Her PLA2 and lipoprotein PLA2, um, that one, her myeloperoxidase, her HSCRP, her homocysteine, her liver enzymes, her gallbladder enzymes, mm. her white blood cells, they were all extremely abnormal, sometimes 30 to 32 times higher than normal with the inflammatory numbers. So we we're like, that's really not good. Because once we found out it was she had had the vaccine, but at that point when we drew her blood, she felt fine. Again, it's an example of people feeling fine, but there being invisible processes that are causing them harm beneath the surface. Kind of like yeah. you can eat McDonald's for three meals a day and you feel fine, you look healthy, you're not gaining weight always, but you're not the healthiest. So we're like, that's a really bad sign. So let's do some more research. And we started doing blood work on people before and after they got their vaccines. Lo and behold, every adult that we've tested has had abnormal inflammatory changes one to seven days after their first or second dose of the vaccines. And there's another doctor who found over 50% of people were having elevated D-dimers, which means that they're forming clots of some sort, whether they're aware yeah. of it or not. 
So it's one of those things that's like these injuries are happening to the majority of adults when they're and when they're saying like these these immune reactions that this feeling bad means that it's working it does mean that you're having an immune inflammatory response it does mean the vaccine is working but it also means that that inflammation could be causing future problems for your cardiovascular or immune or other systems in your body and we just won't know what those long-term effects are for years to decades but what we do know is that this is the most deadly vaccine that has ever existed in human history. Based on the adverse events, there's over half a million reported events, serious events in the United States alone. So we need to not ignore the suffering of these patients. There's lots of research showing the vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia. We know what the risk factors are starting to become for these things. So it's not okay to mandate people coming in or out of your business, in and out of your life, based on whether you had a vaccine or not, because they often, as you said, these people who don't want the vaccines, they're usually traumatized by past vaccines. Their kid almost died from a vaccine. Their family member did die from a vaccine. They got injured by a vaccine. It's like you wouldn't ask someone if they've been raped before. You wouldn't ask them if they've had herpes or genital herpes before. So it's like stop asking them why they're not getting the vaccine because it could be a very personal private health issue. When people have vaccine-injured children, they often break down in my office crying about how they've lost friends, they've been kicked out of groups. Like It's a very tough thing for these families, for these people, and it's not okay to exclude them because they've been injured by the people they thought were saving them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Sorry to go it, on a rant, but... <laughs> oh my God, no, that was... Oh, I loved it. No, it was it was great. Um, but you're, you're spot on. Um, we're discounting the fact that people have their own stories. I actually, I mean, I literally just talked about this on my Instagram yesterday. Like I have my own story, um, that I'm not going to share just for my parents sake and privacy, but, um, yeah, like there's a reason that I feel so passionately about this because it has personally affected me in a, in one way. And so we're, we're gaslighting people out of their own experience and it's very frustrating. And now we're mandating or, you know, we have friends and family saying, like, I won't hang out with you. I won't see you uh, if you don't have this shot. Or now, you know, we're seeing in, like, New York and L.A. that they're not going to let you go into a restaurant or a bar without proof of this vaccination. And it's like we're completely excluding an entire portion of our population that, um, yeah, that doesn't want to get this for very, very viable reasons. Like, we have, like you said, on VAERS, you can go and look like out of every single vaccine that we've ever had in the history of vaccines, this one has injured more people. This one alone has injured more people than each individual other vaccine that we've had um, collectively. And we can't ignore that. And then also, like you said, we don't, we do not know what the long-term effects of this are. So if there is anyone that you listen to right now, doctor, scientists, whatever it is, that they're like, oh, we know 100% that it's safe. They're literally lying. I don't think they're meaning to, but they are lying because we don't know. There is nothing that will ever replace time, ever. No. And we're going to know in five to 10 years how this is really affecting people. Right. And it's not like this is some new thing. This has been going on for decades. You just have to look back through the history of the pharmaceutical industry, whether it's yeah. tobacco, whether it's yeah. Roundup, whether it's DES, which is diethylstilbestrol, which caused miscarriages. It was basically a drug, a synthetic estrogen that was used to help miscarriage, but it, 
it led the women to be able to have children, but their children and their children's children could not get pregnant. It oh. led two generations afterwards to be infertile. So it's like we really don't know, and it could, it's just time. We need time. We need decades to truly know what anything, any chemical, any intervention is doing to us long term. It, and even when we found out that diethylstilbestrol was causing these problems, it still was, took 9 to 13 years to get pulled off the market. So, like, medicine works slowly, and it takes a, science takes a long time, which is why I've said the whole time, I've said logic is fast, science is slow. Science yeah. takes a long time to know what these long-term effects are, and since they actually stopped the trial, at six months they unblinded the trial and gave all the placebo group the vaccine, it means that we don't really have any long-term control group to say what's happening with these vaccines. Yeah. Well, and not to mention, let's just talk about we are completely leaving out of the conversation everyone that's already had COVID and all of the research that's coming out right now showing that if you've already had COVID, your ability to fight it off again and um, the antibodies are supposedly, according to all the studies and science that are coming out right now, they think that they last for a lifetime. So now we're forcing people that have already had COVID to then go and risk being injured by a vaccine when they already have the antibodies that we're so concerned about. So if this was really about our health and protecting people, then we would say like either show your proof of vaccination to get into this bar or like show that you have the antibodies and that you've already been exposed. And even then to me, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like everyone, if you are truly concerned or immunocompromised, then just stay home. And I know that that's very controversial to say, but um, at the very least, why are we not at least acknowledging the people that have already been through COVID and then have antibodies and allow them to also participate if we're going to do this, like, show your papers kind of deal? Right. I think that'll be a good lead-in to talking about Sweden after this, yes. but, yeah. like, the keeping people at home. But I think um, it's really important. Well, one point I think I wouldn't say is that, like, you don't necessarily have antibodies for life, but you can create, because the antibodies have about a half-life of three months where they drop in half, so they will get to a level that's very low or nearly non-detectable over time, but you have B memory and T memory immune cells that can remember the infection forever. In the U.S., there's a test, t-detect.com, you can order for yourself to see if you've ever had COVID-19. So if you've had symptomatic COVID-19 at any time, you will have T cells show positive on that test. Um, like 99% likely. So that's a really useful test to tell you if you've had any COVID infection because your T cells and your bone marrow cells will last for a lifetime, like you said. So the antibodies might not, even like testing someone's antibodies might not be a foolproof way, but if they have T cells, if they've ever had a past positive antibody test they from a natural infection, they should be protected at least to some extent for life. And not just from a specific antibody from the vaccine, but non-specific broad immune protection. So they should have some form of defense and protection for a lifetime. And let's explain this for people that don't understand. And I'm trying to understand this too. So with T cell memory, that means that um, even if you don't necessarily have the antibodies, it's programmed in your body already how to fight it off. Is that right? Okay. Cool. Correct. And you can remake antibodies at a future point in time. When needed. And of course, we're, I mean, this is barely being talked about at all. We're just pushing the vaccine. It's very clear, very obvious science, but it doesn't go with the fear-based narrative that is propagating through our media. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's talk about Sweden because no one's talking about Sweden. Yeah, so Sweden was like the laughing stock of the international community, and now they've made the international community the laughing stock instead. It's kind of like the places that didn't lock down were doing just as well as everywhere else. It's kind of like Sweden sort of you know chose to not have forced lockdowns or forced masks or forced vaccines, and they ended up. Um, eventually, I think they did choose to lock down and mask and kind of like not enforce, but strongly suggest more restrictions. But without those extreme mandates, they're doing just as well as anywhere else now. And they're not having this tough problem that American other countries are having. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, yeah. I have personally, I have a lot of friends that live in Sweden because I, I worked for a Swedish pop star for four years and I spent a lot of time over there. And just throughout the last year and a half, I've been checking in with a lot of them because, you know, you never know what you hear in the media versus what is actually happening. And yeah, they have, they have lived life. They have lived life as normal the last year and a half. And of course they lost people. The majority of people that they lost were elderly and it's very sad. It's not to, um, disregard those lives lost, but, uh, it's not a reason to completely shut down our economy and our life because unfortunately death happens and that's a part of life. Uh, it is. It's yeah. like, you know, it's, it's a harsh reality, but it's true. I have a sign in my kitchen up there with like a little happy rainbow. It literally says we're all going to die. And it's like an exist. It's a daily existential reminder that like memento mori, remember death. It's like if you remember death, it helps put life in perspective and helps you value what you have and be grateful for just the fact that you're still alive, which is great. Um, yeah. I had a patient who was dying from ALS, which is like a crippling neurologic disease, and he had about a year or two left to live. And when he found out he was dying, the meaning of life for him, what he said was that the meaning of life was the balance between love and time. Mm. And death made that clear. And he said, love without time is a tragedy and time without love is a prison. Wow. Yeah. And so that's what I think about. I think about that quote every day. I think about death every day and it helps me stay in gratitude. And like with the time I have that day, that week, that month, that year, that decade, how can I live a life of love, providing love to more people, bringing truth, bringing positivity, and just like loving the time that I have left. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, this last year has really more than anything um, made people realize that, yeah, I mean, I think we've been faced with death in a way that we never have before. And many people are grappling with their, um, yeah, with their life right now. I'm, I'm blanking on the word I'm trying to use right now, but I feel like you understand what I'm trying to say. And um, yeah, it's sad. And it's also why people are really scared and... Um, it's like we're being faced with death head on, but also what I keep reminding myself on a daily basis, and maybe this is a little morbid for some people to understand, but like I could walk out my front door right now and get hit by a car, you know? And so like, but that's not going to keep me from walking out my front door. And I think that's what yeah. we need to remember is that, yeah, so now add COVID on the list of things that are trying to kill us on a daily basis. And sorry to laugh about yeah. it, but it's true, you know? And so like we we need to be less focused on that and more focused on um, enjoying the time that we have here on earth because it's not forever. Yeah. yeah. Most people, it's like that quote, most people are not afraid of death. 
they're afraid of, of a life not lived. Yeah. Yeah. And the question becomes, is this really just one or two more months with Delta variant? It seems like it's going to be at least another couple of years. So are you willing to not live a full life for the next three to five years or five decades? So the question becomes, what level of risk will you accept so that you can live a life fully so you can't, are no longer afraid of death? Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to remember that. So I want to take a little bit of a detour because I think this is also really important to talk about right now because everyone is um, freaking out about this at the moment. I want to look at kids and their relative risk for all of this because uh, what we do know is that we're seeing such a high incidence of myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart, in young men specifically that the World Health Organization actually released a statement, uh, was it two months ago or something, saying that we should no longer be vaccinating that age group. But we have just been forging ahead anyways with it because that barely got any sort of mainstream media attention whatsoever. And I think we need to talk about this because there's a lot of fear right now around children. And I, I personally, in like friend groups, have been hearing oh, well, you know, so-and-so said that, you know, you can't come over or someone can't come over or whatever because they're concerned about their kid and and you're unvaccinated or whatever it is, and and the parents are so concerned about it. So let's talk about the actual science behind, like, are kids as susceptible as we're being told in mainstream media? Um, So uh, I have data on this I can send you, but basically there's a pediatrician who's not pro-vaccine nor anti-vaccine, who is, whose child was hospitalized from COVID in, like in October. So it's kind of like become sort of something she's very concerned about. Um, and she's saying that when she looks at the actual data, not just the news headlines, right? You have to look past the news, the instant like tweet reaction or the instant headline reaction into the data, that there was a 20 to 30% increase in children catching COVID. Mm-hmm. But basically a negligible increase in children dying from the Delta variant. So she's saying, yes, it's a little more contagious. Kids can maybe catch it now, but it's more, a little bit more than they could before. They're still usually asymptomatic um, and it's usually not more deadly for them. So fascinating to look at her data and have that, like everyone's story of like where the doctor is coming from or where this statistician is coming from is important. And hers is very, I think, um, truthful and forthright and, um, very fair to both sides. But um, yeah, I think when people are not inviting kids over, that's coming from a place of illogical understanding of the medical science. Yeah. If anything, you should invite over the people who had COVID and are now less likely to catch it um, than someone who is vaccinated where the Delta and then the Delta Plus and the Lambda variant are going to be even more... Um, breakthrough cases will be happening because they're going to be less susceptible to the vaccine. The vaccine will become less effective as the more variants come, kind of like last year's flu shot. So it doesn't make sense to stop kids coming over when essentially the COVID vaccine is like last year's flu shot. It's like not going to help with what's going on now. So if anything, it's meant to really help, I believe. Like I think parents are trying to do their best to not let their kids get sick or not their kids get sick and spread it to somebody else. But we have to stop guilting people for spreading something that they don't know they have. Yeah. In no way is that your fault for spreading it to your friend, your grandma, your parent, 
Like, maybe it's your fault if you went to a party with someone where there were five people who were sick and you're living really dangerously and you didn't tell people that you were living a life where you're trying to catch COVID. But if you're trying to catch COVID and then you're hanging out with grandma, that could be bad, right? But for the most part, most people are not intentionally just like living completely foolishly. So I think as long as you're not like um, this choosing to not disclose that information, as long as you're not aware that you have COVID, it should not be your fault. You should not be guilted or shamed or left out for not knowing that you have a virus. Like the fact that we're starting to actually tell people that they're a bad person for spreading a germ they don't even know they had and they were trying not to get in the first place is super harmful to people's mental health. Yeah. I mean, when in the history of time have we ever done this? You know, like think about, I mean, the flu has been around forever. I mean, since we've been alive and it's so funny, we, there was never a like smear campaign. If you got like, remember in college, there was a couple times that I got the flu and who knows, probably got it from a classmate or a friend or whatever. And it wasn't like that this person was a bad person because they gave me the flu. I mean, and, but now all of a sudden it's become this like moral thing, like right and wrong. And you're a horrible, horrible person. If you happen to like get someone else sick, of course, no one goes out wanting to get anyone else sick. You know, and yeah, no. just the, the logics behind all of this. It's just like we're we're thinking from our fear brains now instead of thinking logically about all of this. And we need to just we need to take some of the emotion out of it and just look at the straight facts and actually be um, more rational about all of this and about what's going on. And also we need to take note of, too, that, like, this is all unfolding in front of us in time. Like, no one really knows the answers. We're trying to navigate the, this the best way that we can. And we should all be on each other's team trying to help each other instead of, like, fighting over little things like, you know, who's vaxxed and who's not. And, like, we should all be on the same team. We're all, we're all fighting this and trying to get through it together. Correct. Yeah, we need more unity and love now more than ever. Yeah. Really, seriously, and just compassion for the fact that we're all going through a collective trauma right now, and it, it's scary yeah. and sad. There's a lot of lives that have been lost and a lot of unknowns, and um, yeah, it's horrible, but we need to be navigating this from a place of love. I agree. It's all about like love, compassion, and forgiveness, and acceptance. Yeah. So I know this is something that you have been doing in your practice. You mentioned it earlier. I want to hear um, if you're okay to share a little bit about what you've been seeing in post-vaxxed patients, because I know you've talked about this on your Instagram. This is something that you've been doing in your practice where you've been um, doing lab work afterwards and kind of monitoring and seeing what's happened. I know I've, I've just heard um, and I've read that there's a lot of uh, concern about autoimmune disorders either being developed or autoimmune flare-ups, um, like for example, if someone has Hashimoto's and they kind of had it contained, I've heard a couple stories now of people getting the shot and then just flaring up all of their autoimmune stuff after. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've been seeing most people who have autoimmune conditions do really well with COVID and really like not react much to the vaccine, or at least not be aware they're reacting much to the vaccine, as we talked about okay. before. But there are people who are developing new autoimmune conditions after COVID and after the COVID-19 vaccine. Like the long hauler thing is a pretty, um, there's a lot of people getting long haulers after catching COVID, like 10 to 30% will have issues after COVID-19 for 
two to six months. Most everybody gets better after the time, but it is like a post-viral fatigue and a lot of long hauler issues that people are dealing with. And after the vaccine, we're seeing similar to things to long haulers. We're seeing some new autoimmune conditions. We're, I've seen um, MS, uh, pseudo-MS type issues, lesions in people's brains and spinal cords a couple of times. We've been treating people for that. Luckily, they've all gotten better, actually, which is miraculous. Amazing. And um, we're also seeing some people, just a lot of heart issues and a lot of neurologic issues afterwards. So a lot mm -hmm. of weird like spasms or seizures or strange smells or taste or pseudo-MS type neurologic conditions. Interesting. And we don't really know why that's happening. <laughs> like the heart thing, we have some idea, but the neurologic system, we're not entirely sure why those um, post-reactions, like the Bell's, lots of Bell's palsy, a lot wow. of um, shingles, like we're not entirely sure why that's happening, except for the fact that sometimes when you vaccinate to protect against one virus, another virus will like pop out, kind of like the bully phenomenon. You threw a no, new bully in the classroom and another one pops out. Another kid pops out um, who kind of runs away scared. Like that's why sometimes they think that Bell's palsy or um, shingles can happen. They found that in past vaccines where they'll vaccinate for one germ and other germs will actually be shed out of the person. They'll actually like release particles from other germs after they've been vaccinated for a different one. Interesting. Is that kind of in, in alignment with uh, immune escape? Because I know that that's been being talked about as well. Or is that different? Um, that's different. So the immune escape or immune enhancement or disease enhancement really is basically a process where the vaccine can make you either more likely to react, have an overreaction or an underreaction to future mutations or variant, variants of the original germ. So you could get vaccinated oh, against COVID-19. My audio just cut. You get vaccinated against oh. COVID-19. Um, I got on the audio here, but my, you could get vaccinated against COVID-19 and you could either have, when you have another infection later, you could have an overreaction where you get really sick and have a really bad inflammatory cascade response, or you could have an underreaction similar to antibody dependent enhancement where your body doesn't get rid of all of it or it doesn't kill it. It just then can actually shuttle the virus into the cell, which then replicates more kind of like a Trojan horse into your cell. That's what antibody dependent enhancement usually is. Mm. And then that can cause your body to not respond at all. And then the virus can replicate without any sort of control. And that can cause worse disease states as well. That's scary. And we're not talking about that at all. We're just forging ahead right. and trying to force it on everyone. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, oh, it's infuriating. I would say over this last year, one of my main health focuses has really been cognitive function and protecting my brain. I really think we're going to start hearing more about this. We are realizing the importance of protecting our brain and maximizing our cognitive function. And thanks to breakthroughs in science with things like nootropics, we are realizing that we can also do this without the harmful side effects of pharmaceutical drugs. We can actually do it naturally um, and more effectively. So I personally have been really intrigued by nootropics and adaptogens. Both are scientifically backed and researched to improve cognitive function. They help with memory. They help with productivity. They help with focus. And if you're doing it right, it can also help with stress. This is why I'm a huge fan of Magic Mind. Magic Mind is the world's first productivity drink. 
And all it is is it's a little matcha shot that is full of adaptogens, nootropics, and just a little bit of honey. The matcha gives you a little boost of energy, but there's also L-theanine in there, which helps calm the nervous system so you're not so stressed out. There's also ashwagandha in there that also helps with stress. Cordyceps mushrooms help with energy. And then there's a couple of nootropics in there that really help with the cognitive function so that you can boost your productivity and focus better on your tasks at hand so you can improve your work, your schoolwork, whatever it is that you have to accomplish that day. It really does help you. I cannot stress enough how much I love this stuff. And also, if you use my code, you'll save 20% off to try it. So if you go to magicmind.co and use code realfoodology, you're going to save 20%. I hope you love it. For people listening, I always like to give um, some hope and, and some recommendations that people can can take away from all of this. And one of the biggest things that I've been trying to reiterate this last year is how to become resilient and how to protect your immune system. So can we talk about uh, a little bit? Also, I do want to give a disclaimer. This is not medical advice. We're not saying do or take any of these. These are just things that I've seen work and I'm sure that you've seen in your practice. So can we talk a little bit about what people can do to enhance their immune system? Yeah, I think um, biggest thing is lifestyle more than anything. Sleeping seven, eight, nine hours a night, at least six. Um, getting 20 minutes or more of movement a day, natural sunlight, or taking some vitamin D3, ideally with K2. Um, Z, vitamin C, zinc, um, quercetin, and N-acetylcysteine are quite good as well if you're not allergic to quercetin. Um, so oh. that works really well for most people. Can we Some talk people about... are allergic to quercetin. Sorry, I did yeah. not know that. Some people are allergic to quercetin. It's good to know. Can we yeah. talk about uh, what that is for people listening that don't know? Yeah, quercetin is a bioflavonoid. Similar to like vitamin C, it's an antioxidant that's in a bunch of different plants, fruits, vegetables. Um, and it's really helpful. It's actually in like red wine and onions and green tea, apples, berries, ginkgo biloba. It's in a lot of different things, but the isolated bioflavonoid is really helpful for allergies. It's really helpful for inflammation in your blood vessels and your lungs as well and your sinuses. So it's um, just a really useful plant compound that's um, pretty much safe to take daily for a long period of time. And it helps control inflammation and it helps control histamine release in your cells. It's also a zinc ionophore, which means that it pushes zinc through past the cell wall so that it can actually get to the virus. Yes. Yep. Also very important. I forgot that's like the most important one. That's <laughs> why so I'm here. It's good. We're working together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it really, it helps zinc actually fight off any sort of like virus that you're dealing with. Okay. COVID. Yep. Yeah. It makes zinc actually work better. Yes. Kind of like vitamin D makes your thyroid work better and gets thyroid into the cell to work as well. Yeah. Which is why people in the winter not getting sunshine and sunlight start to get low thyroid, low adrenal, low fatigue, those seasonal affective disorders. Yeah. I know. That's why I always, well, I live in LA, so I don't really ever <laughs> have an issue with sun. But when I was living in other places where I was, I was upping my vitamin D uh, every single day. But yeah, I mean, this is something that I prioritize every single day. I make sure that I get at least 20 minutes of sunlight with no sunscreen on. I always put sunscreen on my face just because I want to protect my face. But um, I get at least 20 minutes a day with no sunscreen on because if you wear sunscreen, it actually blocks your body's ability to synthesize vitamin D from the sun. 
And vitamin D is incredibly important, not only for immune health, but also for our mood as well. Yep, super important. There's a lot of times where I'll give vitamin D to patients and they're like, I instantly feel happier. And you're like, whoa, well, just liquid sunshine happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a girlfriend that I was texting with the other day and she's been having a really hard time. And I sent her a message and I said, all right, I'm giving you a prescription right now. And I'm saying, go put on your bikini, go lay out in the sun for an hour and then text me. And an hour later, she goes, oh, my God, I'm going to do this every single day. She goes, everything changed. I feel so much better. I was like, see, sometimes it's all you need. Yeah, so true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we end this, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you feel is really important for people to hear? Um, I don't think so. Just remember to stay positive. Oh, I do know one. Um, our, I'll plug my website, which is healthassurancemovement.org. There's, it's completely free. It's my nonprofit. It's a way you can start to take some health quizzes for your adrenal, your thyroid, your liver. There's a bunch of these resources up that we talked about on there too. Um, and a whole bunch of other resources. There's a thousand page book on there that a doctor now finally released for free just for us, for a nonprofit. There's a hundred page paper talking about all of the COVID research we're talking about on there um, for free as well that he's spent his career, his last two years researching and putting out um, for 20 bucks. It's now free. So there's a lot of free stuff, ways of self-care and taking care of yourself. And I would remind people just to take care of themselves more than ever. But when they're having these conversations that we're having right now, it's most important whether it's with your employer or a school or a friend or a family member, it's most important to try to have them in person, not via text, not even via, via a phone call because 90% of communication is your facial micro expressions. So at least a video chat or an in-person conversation when you're trying to have these discussions, if at all possible, whether it's about parties or weddings or any of this stuff is really important because you will be dehumanized by the other person and projected their own problems onto you if you do not have these conversations in person. So please have them in person. You'll be, it'll be easier. It'll be easier to relate to the other person, hear their stories, listen to them, have more curiosity, and it'll be easier to love them during that conversation as well. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. That's such a good reminder for all of us. Okay. So before we go, I want to ask you a question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. What are your health non-negotiables? So meaning no matter how busy you are that day, these are things that you prioritize for you and for your health that you do every day. Hmm. Um, health non-negotiables. Uh, walk my dog on the beach is something I do every day. So I like get my feet in Lake Michigan as long as it's not frozen. If it is frozen, I'm on the ice. So I ground, <laughs> ground myself, walk my dog. So I'm moving, grounding, and then I really eat every day. If I don't eat, I lose like five pounds a day. So I have a fast metabolism. So I just try to eat some sort of healthy meal, at least one healthy meal a day. And um, yeah, eating, grounding, moving, touching some water. I love that. Drinking some water. Those are my non-negotiables. I love that. My number one is also getting my dog outside. I go for a hike no matter what every single day with my dog. Because that's nice. I get movement. I get sunlight. Um, I connect with nature, so there's like a grounding aspect there. Uh, my dog also loves it, so it's like a bonding time for us. And yeah, that would be my most important thing. So cool. Well, I know you plugged your website, but where can people find you that are listening if they want to find you? That website has all the links to Telegram, where I'm putting a lot of the data I can't put elsewhere, um, and my opinions I can't put elsewhere. But the 
website has Telegram and also Instagram, Dr. Bradley Campbell, Dr. Bradley Campbell, like soup, um, <laughs> can find me there. Instagram also on Health Assurance Movement as an Instagram handle. And um, that should work. You know what? I know I said we were leaving, but I totally forgot to have you talk about this. If you have a second, sure. people that are not aware of your Instagram don't know that you have been deleted how many times now? Twice? Twice at 39,000 and 90,000 followers. This is really important for people to understand because you um, especially are, you're very good. Like I said this in the beginning, you're very good at, at uh sharing this information with love and compassion and you're really just sharing the straight facts like it's not um you know fear-mongering or like super out there or whatever it's just like you're very factual based and with love and compassion and the fact that you are being censored and you're posting like PubMed articles and things that come from the CDC and the World Health Organization and you still got censored and deleted it's so important for people to hear this right now because I don't think under people understand the gravity of the censorship that's going on right now. Yeah, the censorship is insane. Doctors are not in the U.S. yet. They're about to. But in other countries, doctors are losing their license for saying anything that goes against the World Health Organization and the CDC. Even when you have a slightly different interpretation or you share research from them, if you're not completely on party line, um, you can lose your license, you can get deleted off social media, you can get um, doctors who are getting death threats, people who are like literally cutting the brake lines in their cars and punching holes in their gas tanks, friends of mine. So like wow. there's crazy stuff happening to people just for saying like, take care of your health and there's better ways to go about handling the pandemic. So the censorship is real, but I think it also shows if you do show what's truthful and you show the positive and negatives and you're honest about what we know and we don't know. Like my Instagram has gone up to 155, 56,000 people now. Um, it's growing like wildfire. And so it's like they can delete you for a time, but they people are still craving truth. They're craving a voice of reason and they're craving something that's showing them the pros and the cons of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the truth will always prevail. It's just kind of an uphill battle at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Brad, thank you so much. This has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so glad that we finally connected. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Real Foodology podcast. If you liked this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resident media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie, spelled with a J. Love you guys so much. See you next week. <laughs>